If you have a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to find John chapter 14. All right, we've been in a series that we have called This Is Us. All right, and we are taking a few weeks at the beginning of the fall and trying to describe our community, describe what this group is, what this church is, okay? And the difference, um, I think, between like different communities is like you can walk into different churches and they can say they believe the exact same thing, but the community feels different. All right, so this isn't necessarily what do we believe theologically. All right, we've gone over that. We actually did that this summer. We did a long series called Foundational talking about that. This is about what is our community? What are, what are we? All right, um, and it's, it's important that we know that. And so we've been making some statements, and these are things that we strive for, and we are going to fall short. I'll just be honest with you. We are not always going to be able to, to, to live up to these statements, but... Our goal is to always try and, and, and to live in this direction, all right? And so each week we've had a descriptive statement about it. Now, the crucial thing to understand here that we've been saying each week is we cannot make a statement about our community that we can't make about the individuals in the community, okay? So here, here's the way we phrase that. Something can't be true of a community that isn't true of the individuals that make up that community, we can't be a super welcoming community if everyone in our community is stuck up snobs, right? All right, like, we, we, if we don't want to go out of our comfort zone to talk to somebody that we don't know, like, we can't be a welcoming community. We can't be a generous community filled with stingy individuals. It doesn't work that way. If we're going to be a generous community, we have to be made up of individuals who are generous. We can't be a loving community that is constantly talking about the world around us in a way that makes them seem like they are an enemy. Hopefully this makes sense. So when we say our church is blank or our community is blank, we have to start with a self-assessment and say, am I blank? Am I, do, do I fall into this category? Because if I don't, then either I'm not moving, I'm not part of this community moving in this direction or I just, maybe I just need to spend time growing and focusing on this. So I want to remind us of some of the statements that we've made over the last few weeks. Hopefully this describes you, or you've been putting in effort and work to try and say, I want to live up uh, to this. All right, so the first week we said this. We said, our community authentically gathers together to share our lives with one another. Okay, and this means that we don't try to just do life on our own. We aren't just a Christian off on an island by ourselves. We make it a priority to gather together. This means Sunday mornings, but so much more than that. It's so much more than Sunday mornings. This is life groups, other events, and arguably even more important than like church functions is just building friendships and relationships and sharing our lives with each other, having people over to our house for dinner. And when we do this, when we gather, we do it authentically, which means we don't fake it. If our week was hard, we, we own that. And we say, this was a really hard week. And I'm really struggling, and I'm really mad about this, and I'm upset about this. Okay, we don't put on just a mask and say, everything's good, and I have a big smile on my face. All right? Because if we're supposed to love one another and encourage one another and pray with one another, build each other up, we can't do that if our relationship is built on a lie. So we have to start from a place of honesty. All right, the second statement that we made and talked about last week was our community contagiously pursues Jesus with everything we have. This means that we aren't fine with just showing up to church on a weekend and checking a box. 
And you're going to hear us make statements about that throughout our services. Everything we have is from God, and therefore everything, like I'm going to use everything I have at my disposal to pursue God. And I'm not okay with just being the same person each day. Like every day I want to try and look more like and, and act more like Jesus than I did the day before. And we aren't satisfied with the status quo if the status quo isn't moving closer to Jesus. And as we pursue him, we will begin to see how he's working in our lives more and more. And when we see it, we, sh- we start to talk about it. All right? And because we talk about what matters most to us first. Whatever matters most in your life, you're going to talk about first. If you are super proud of your kids, you are always going to be talking to your friends about your kids and how proud you are of them. Whatever matters most to you in life, you're going to talk about first. And so if God matters to us, he needs to be something, someone that we're talking about. He needs to be part of our life. All right, and so as we pursue him, we're going to see him moving. We're going to talk about that more. And, and not necessarily in a weird or pushy way where you meet someone new and you're like, oh, hey, my name's Josiah. Can I, can I tell you about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Like, you're just like, this is weird. Don't. Okay, how do I get out of this conversation? You know, like that's how someone feels. If you're just like, man, this week was so hard. This was going on, but I'll tell you what. This really cool thing happened. And we share just how God is moving in our life. Like you can do it in a very natural way that doesn't feel weird. All right? And, and so as we, as we talk about what God's doing in our life, other people are going to see that and they're going to say, I want to have that happening in my life. And we can challenge people and say, you know what, what Jesus has done for me, he can do for you. And this is how this becomes contagious to the people around us. So then our way of living and what God is doing just influences those people. All right, so maybe, again, maybe these statements already describe your life. That's awesome. Uh, I would assume most of us probably need to reevaluate where we're at. I know that I do. When I wrote these statements, I'm like, I do not live up to these on a daily basis, and I need to try and be doing better and working harder at this. Every week when I'm preparing a message, I just pray this simple prayer, and I say, God, start in me. Start in me. Whatever it is you want to do, start it with me. All right, because I'm never going to assume that I've already got this figured out. I'm never going to assume that things that God is speaking, he just has for you, but I, I'm good. And, you know, it's start it in me. And so today we're going to move into our third statement about this community. All right, you guys ready for this? Um, and, and I want to challenge you right now to just start to have an attitude uh, like we are sitting on the edge of our seats, that we are excited for what God has for us today, uh, and that this attitude and mindset that as we open the Bible, as we approach God, like that is so important, whatever our, our attitude is. He always wants to be working in our lives. But he often, uh, he often doesn't in moments when we stop him. Okay, what I love about God is he doesn't force his way into things. Like he has given us choice. And if we don't want to experience God, he's not going to force anything. And so that's why every time we gather together, it's so important that we evaluate, where is my attitude right now? Am I ready for God to do something in my life? And if I am, and I'm even expecting that, then I think that as God moves, that we are going to respond in that. So uh, if you would, would you, would you stand with me? I'm going to read a passage this morning. I'm going to read this passage and then pray. And we'll kind of move on. So I am in John chapter 14. That's what I said, right? Yep, John 14. (laughs) All right, and I'm going to read starting in verse 15. And then I'm going to skip ahead after a few verses. So verse 15. If you love me, obey my commandments. 
and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Now jump down to verse 26. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Lord, we just ask this morning that this time would be challenging, this time would be encouraging, this, this would be something that would help us grow. Lord, and so we just, we give you permission right now just to begin to work on our hearts uh, and to change us. And, and Holy Spirit, we just ask that, uh, that you would just guide us this morning. So we ask this in your name. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. And as you're doing that, I'm going to jump into our statement right away this week that we have. All right. Uh, And this is our statement. Our community is Holy Spirit-led and biblically anchored. All right. Now, each one of our statements has two parts is what we've said. It is a what we do and then a how we do it. All right. So we gather together. How we do it is authentically. We pursue Jesus with everything we have. All right, how we do it is authentically. And, and, and so we do it, or sorry, contagiously is what we said last week. And so for this week, we are led by the Holy Spirit. How we do that is by being anchored to the Bible. And this is an important piece of it. All right, so what, what does it look like though? This is the first part of the statement. What does it look like to be led by the Holy Spirit? Well, when you read through the Bible, you see many times where God leads people or groups of people, and it isn't always done the same way. Okay, and actually, this week, as I was digging kind of deeper into this, um, I started to notice something. There are times, especially when we're talking about the New Testament and the early church, when it says that God communicates with people, all right? Um, And then there are times where he sends a messenger, maybe like an angel, to communicate, And then there are times where it says the Holy Spirit guides someone. And actually, when you look at this, it's not just choosing different English words as they translate it. It is different Greek words, different things that are happening um, in these moments. Um, And they're different phrases. And and this kind of made for an interesting study for me as I was comparing these things and jumping into it. And I don't have any great answers why, but I'm going to share a little bit of what I started to notice in some of this. Some of the things I noticed, God would use angels or messengers often when it was something a little bit more shocking, maybe. Some, some type of information that, that someone might be a little bit taken back by. Or if it was someone who didn't necessarily have a relationship with God. He would often send a messenger um, in these instances. Then it seems like God spoke to people, and it says like God is speaking to people in moments where that person might actually have a little bit more of a conversation. Maybe they're going to push back, and God says, this. You know, God speaks to Ananias. I want you to go over to Straight Street where Saul is, and I want you to pray for him. And Ananias is like, don't you know who he is? He's trying to kill us. And so there's like that dialogue going back and forth, okay? And then the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was often guiding people who already had a relationship with God, and they were just being guided many times in, like, in the moment, like spur of the moment, the Holy Spirit is giving direction, all right, now, there isn't anything academic or concrete about these observations. It's just what I noticed as I was going through looking at these this week. But our statement today is that we are led by the Holy Spirit. That isn't to say that God couldn't lead us or that he couldn't use a messenger, 
but that doesn't seem to happen as often, as regularly, okay? Now, now this passage we read earlier said that God would send the advocate, all right? Then says that, like, the advocate, who that is, is the Holy Spirit. They define who the advocate is, all right? Um, now, the Greek word for Holy Spirit, bear with me here, is pneuma, and it's all over the Bible, uh, 376 times in the New Testament. Okay, now the Hebrew equivalent word is ruach, all right? And it's in the Old Testament 371 times. It's the word at the very beginning of the Bible, in Genesis 1-2, when it says that the Spirit was hovering above the waters. Okay, it's the same word. Ruach and pneuma are, are the Hebrew and the Greek equivalent of each other. But when Jesus says that he's going to send the advocate... It's a different word, parakletos, that means advocate. And it's this helper, intercessor. Okay, and that word is actually only used five times, all by the author John. It's in the Gospel of John, and it's in 1 John. And he's referring to the same entity, the Holy Spirit. All right, but it seems that he wants to give a more specific definition of the role that is played by the Spirit. Okay, and, and so he paints this picture of the Holy Spirit as someone who is there to, to help us, to move us in the right direction, to guide us. Um, and, and it should be really encouraging. All right, now, now understand this. The Holy Spirit doesn't just show up at Pentecost or here or there in some unique miraculous moments. Um, I wanted to show this because the Holy Spirit is all over Scripture. All over Scripture. I mean, you, you look at how many, if we have 66 books in the Bible, and we have, you know, rough math is saying over 700 times that the Spirit is showing up. Like, the Holy Spirit is all over the Bible. All right? And, and he is there as a helper, an advocate. He guides us. And so we are saying this as a community, that we are going to accept the help and guidance from God. So even by saying that, that is a, that is a humble statement in opposition to saying that we are arrogant, we know what we're doing, we have it all figured out, and we're just moving in this direction. Okay, and I, I, have, I have seen churches that are like that. I've seen, well, primarily, I've seen church leaders that are like that. that. That we have this all figured out. You don't need to talk to me about theology, we already got it figured out. Okay, whatever you have that's different from us, it's wrong. Just know that, because we're right. You know, and they have this, like, arrogant approach. And what we are saying here is, we don't know. We are always going to continue to pursue Jesus. We're going to pursue God. We are going to dig into Scripture. And we are going to say that we don't always have this figured out, and that's okay. All right, because this is a humble approach saying, Holy Spirit, we need you to guide us. Because we are not always right. All right? And, and I want to quickly show some of the spots in the book of Acts uh, where the Holy Spirit was helping guide people. Okay, I'm not even going to read the whole passages. I'm going to hit just kind of quick little spots of this. And so uh, in Acts 8, we have Stephen was just killed for his faith. He's the first martyr, all right? And then a guy named Philip, when, when, he, when Stephen's killed, all these Christians leave the area. They're worried about the persecution. Okay, and they leave. And one of the guys that leaves is a guy named Philip. And he's going out, um, and uh, he's moving from city to city, city, telling people about Jesus and the kingdom of God. And then it says an angel of the Lord, a messenger, told him to follow a specific road. So Philip takes off on this road, and while he's moving down the road, then it says this, uh, Acts 8, 29, the Holy Spirit, this is Numa, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. 
So in his everyday life, Philip is moving forward, he's doing stuff, and also the Holy Spirit begins to speak to him in that moment or guide him. We don't really know what this means when it says the Holy Spirit spoke to him. I don't know if that means that the, there was a voice that he heard. I don't know if it just seemed like there was a voice he heard or if there was just something that was just drawing him in. All right? And he walks along the side of the carriage. Here's a guy reading from Isaiah. Philip then explains the text and, and tells him about Jesus and explains how he's the Messiah. Okay, Acts 10. You have the Apostle Peter and Cornelius, the Roman army officer. Peter hears a voice as he's on a roof, and he has this big vision. And it just says voice. It's not God, it's not Holy Spirit, it just says voice. All right, it probably was one of those, but the, the author didn't put that in there. At the same time, Cornelius, this Roman guy, has an angel that comes to him. And then we go back, Peter's on the roof, and Cornelius has sent people to, to fetch Peter. And the Holy Spirit says, hey, there's people at the door, and I want you to go with them. So again, in the moment, this guidance that is happening with this. Okay, that was in, in verse 19. Then we move on, Acts 11. The Holy Spirit leads a community to give to a need that hasn't happened yet. Okay, 1120, it says, one of them named Agabus, if you're looking for a baby name, there you go, Agabus, stood up in one of the meetings and predicted by the Spirit that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world. All right, so, so here the Holy Spirit is like giving direction to the church of something that's going to happen. Then in Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas are directed and sent out on a journey to tell people about Jesus. One day as these men were worshiping, the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. All right, guiding. Well, on these journeys, this is Acts 16, Paul often is guided by the Holy Spirit. One time they were trying to go somewhere, and it says, uh, next Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia, and because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time, then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So if the Holy Spirit is guiding God's people in their life, as they're going through life, the Holy Spirit is coming alongside and guiding them. And then Acts 19. It says, afterward, Paul felt compelled by the Spirit to go over to Macedonia. And the last one that we're going to look at, Acts chapter 20, says Paul again, and he says, I now, and now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. And some of you, like, you might read this and be like, okay, I'm good without the Holy Spirit guiding me. <laughs> if that's where he guides people, I like being free and not in jail. All right? And, and, and that's the thing. Like, as God leads us, this doesn't always mean that God's leading in our life is going to be this prosperous, amazing thing. You know, as we were talking earlier about some of our missionaries, as God leads them, that doesn't mean that everything's going to go perfect in their life. And, and when something goes wrong, it doesn't mean that you aren't following God's leading. And so this is, this is an important thing for us to kind of wrestle with. All right, now, most of these are, are the Holy Spirit giving direction. All right, doesn't go into great detail of how that happens. And then Jesus, actually, he seems to hint in the book of Luke 
that more than just physical direction, that the Holy Spirit can guide us in our conversations and what we should say. Jesus said this, he said, uh, and when you are brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. So to be led by the Holy Spirit means that we are living our life in a way where we are open to being guided. And this might mean being guided in how we talk to someone or how we make decisions or physically guided in where we are supposed to go. Because when the Holy Spirit guides us, he does it with a purpose. Like none of these instances that we read through were just because he's like, hey, take this road, Paul, because the traffic's better. So you're going to get there faster. Right? Like it it wasn't just these like kind of, oh yeah, go and do this just because I think it's going to be better. There was always, there was this purpose. It was God was being glorified. Something was happening. Uh, People were finding out about who Jesus was and and that he loved them. And like every one of these, God is is guiding people with a purpose. The Holy Spirit is guiding them with a purpose. And that purpose is to partner with them and to be part of their life. And when we are sensitive in listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit, then, then we can accomplish that in our lives. All right, now here's the thing. It's easy for people to get scared of this idea because who's to say that it's really the Holy Spirit telling me to do this, right? What if it's just me? Or what if it's something worse? Like a quick Google search will bring up all sorts of people who have done terrible things, killed people because God told them to do it, right? Like we see this all the time. So I think because of that, in moments, we get, we get scared. Now, we have to understand that, that in every one of these situations, there, there is other things, there's a mental health breakdown that is happening in these situations. And I think we know that. And we aren't worried that God's gonna, we're going to walk out of here and God's going to tell us to do something like that. But maybe you've had, on a lesser scale, hurt and damage done in your life because someone else said, well, this is what God's telling me to do. Or this is what I think God's saying you should go and do. And you've had a bad experience with one of those things. And that, that happens. It honestly does. I would like to think that most of the time people have good motives as they do this. Sometimes people don't. And it can create baggage in our life. All right? You know, the, the classic is when you're like a teenager in youth group and someone breaks up with you, and it's, well, God just told me I need to be alone. Because <laughs> they don't know how to break up with you. And then three weeks later, they're dating your friend. And you're like, oh, all right. You're a real prophet over there. Thanks. And I think people can use this in a negative way. But, like, to transfer this to a different spot, like, there, there are so many bad drivers on the road. And there are so many accidents that can happen and so many negative things. But that doesn't stop me from waking up and getting into my car and using it. All right, like there are things in our life that I think sometimes we build a wall and we take a step back because we've had a bad experience. And for some people, this is even just church in general. You had a bad experience with church. Christians said the wrong thing to you. They, they were judgmental. They were doing all sorts of different things. You've had a bad experience, so you just kind of took a step back. And I want to challenge us today to not take a step back from things that we know 
that God is calling us to, with things that we know we should be part of because of a bad experience. That, that doesn't mean ignore that. Process. Go through that. Meet with somebody. Talk to somebody. Process through some of that baggage that has happened at the hands of, unfortunately, people that say that they love Jesus. So, so how do we do this in a healthy way? How do we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in a healthy way? Well, by being anchored in the Bible. Because the Holy Spirit is never going to guide you to something that is in opposition to the Bible. If it is in opposition to the Bible, it's not the Holy Spirit. It's that easy. All right? And actually, just beyond the Bible, like all, all spiritual disciplines are melt, meant to help us grow closer to God and understand and recognize his voice and leading and help us to be more open. And so if you want to know, like, what does it look like to follow the Holy Spirit? How do I recognize his voice? You keep saying this. How would I do that in my life? Because for me, it usually isn't a voice. Maybe for you it is. But the answer is just closeness with God. And we do that through spiritual disciplines. There's a, a book that I had to read in college. It's Richard Foster uh, wrote a book on spiritual disciplines. And he, he lists them off as meditation, prayer, fasting, study, simplicity, solitude, submission, service, confession, worship, guidance, and celebration. All of these things done with God in mind as we pursue him are going to draw us closer to him. And the closer we are to him, the more we're going to recognize his voice. Kind of like back before the days of caller ID, you could pick up the phone and there were certain people that you were really close to that you could just recognize their voice. Then there'd be other people, new friends that came into your life and you didn't recognize their voice when they called. But give it a year and they called enough and you'd start to recognize their voice. It's the same thing as we walk with God, as we grow closer and closer to him, we are going to begin to recognize his voice more and more. Spiritual disciplines aren't about impressing God so that he's going to do more for you. It's about growing closer to him, understanding his heart more, and then recognizing his voice, his character, his leading. All right, and when we are using scripture as a test for that guidance, we have to understand scripture in its context. Because if we just pull verses out on their own, individual verses, we can twist them to say things that they never were meant to say. And then we can really get off as we feel like, well, I think the Holy Spirit's leading me this way. And I looked at this verse in the Bible and I think it, it says that's okay. But we've pulled that verse way out of context. And so it's important. We, we've talked about this. This is a big thing for our church. Over the last couple of years, we've talked about the context of these verses and how important that is. All right, and we just got done going through the letter of Ephesians and we finished it by reading the entire letter out loud together. Because we we're like, we want to see this whole thing together in context. So all of this is incredibly important for us. All right, so we are a community that is Holy Spirit-led. We are trying to follow his leading. And we are biblically anchored, where we are diving in deeper, learning more. And we are trying to understand the message that the original authors had. All right, we don't just read scripture with this and read one verse and have a 10-minute fluff devotional that's basically self-help in my life, okay? And so if this statement doesn't describe you as an individual, understand this, this statement cannot describe our community if at least the majority of us are not trying to live in this type of a way. So our challenge today is does, does this 
does this represent you? Now, I'll let you in on a secret. There's always room for growth. All right, every single one of us. Let's do this. Would you stand with me today? As we stand, I I want you to think through this. When was the last time that you really feel like the Holy Spirit was leading you in your life? Worship team, you guys can come. When was the last time you feel like the Holy Spirit led you? you? You felt a prompting, you felt led in a certain direction, and you followed through on that. When, when was the last time this happened in your life? And maybe it was to make a specific choice. All right, and, and maybe that choice was not the logical one, because I don't know if you've realized this, but God's not super concerned with actual logic of how we make decisions. I have learned this the hard way many times. All right? And we, we can't judge whether it's the Holy Spirit purely based off the outcome. Because sometimes the Holy Spirit might lead you into jail. Hopefully not, at least, especially here. If you end up in jail because of the Holy Spirit in America, where we have freedom of religion, there might be other things going on there. Now, if you're in another country, that's a different story. Maybe you need direction in your life on a big decision. And you want to start pressing into the Holy Spirit and saying, God, would you lead me? Would you lead me in this? And then the second half of this statement, do you, do you feel like you have a solid anchor in the Bible? Do you feel like you understand it? Or is it just something that you've heard read at different times and, and lots of times you're like, I don't really know what it's saying. I don't know what's going on. Do you feel like if, if, if you were trying to hear from the Holy Spirit in guiding you, that you would be able to say, yes, I think that's him because this, this aligns with what we see in Scripture. And so how is all of this shaping and changing you and the way you live? All right, because I have one last, state, one last statement I'm going to make. It's going to be on the screen here. Because if we live intentionally, if we live intentionally, like we talked about a month back, and we live contagiously, like we talked about last week, and if we live spirit-led, then the level of impact that God can do through you and can do through your family um, and, and can have on your family and on your friends and your coworkers and community, the eternal impact that you can have is going to exponentially grow when we live in this way. All right? So I want that to be our challenge today. I'm going to ask Pastor Aaron to come. She's just going to kind of transition us now. We're going to go back into just one more, one more song as we spend some time reflecting and just uh, pressing into what God would have for us today.